Hello, everybody, and welcome to the GMS Magazine podcast, the RPG Interview Room. I am Paco Garcia, your host, and this is a podcast all to do with interviewing the cool people of the RPG world. Now, today, with me, uh, one of the most whimsical and funniest people I know in role-playing games. Seriously, trust me. And if you don't believe me, wait until the end of the interview and you will know exactly what I'm talking about. But he's also probably one of the best art directors in the industry. And I'm talking about Johnny Hoxon, who's been working for a number of years with Cubicle 7, producing some of the most iconic look and artwork for things like the One Ring, etc., 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 you know, Long Wolf, uh, working for Doctor Who, doing all sorts of stuff, all sorts of incredible, incredible stuff. And now he's, uh, he's, he's gone, you know, solo, and he's doing an awful lot of maps in Patreon, and, uh, and more things, more Kickstarters, and working with his children. Yeah, yeah, he's making his kids work for games, no less. So, uh, I, I, you know, I, I enjoy uh, talking to him an, an insane amount because I'm extremely fond of the guy. And if you know him in person, you are also very fond of him. Uh, yeah, even if you work with him, you're fond of him because he's, he's incredibly likable and very funny. So I wanted to know what he's up to with his maps, how he's finding Patreon, why he left, you know, what happened with Cubicle 7 and uh, what's in the future. And, uh, you know, he keeps some, he manages to wedge in some very, very interesting advice when he's about doing and producing role-playing games. So, grab a cup or a glass or a whatever of your whatever favoritest drink it is, chill and uh, enjoy the interview. I'm, I'm sure you will as much as I did doing it. And I will talk to you at the end. Well, Mr. Mr. Johnny Hoxon, uh, how are you, sir? Because I, I haven't had you in the podcast for way, way over a year and a half, which is a long, long time. How are you? I'm very good. <laughs> yeah, has, it been, has it been that long? Yeah. Like, I suppose it has been, hasn't it? Well, yeah. Goodness it, me. It yeah. has, um, because 2018 has been an absolutely ridiculously chaotic uh, year, and 2017 was an incredibly busy one. So, yeah, it's, it's been one of those by yearly periods. So, um, you know, um, because I haven't interviewed you for so long, uh, I need to make sure that you know how to answer questions. So, oh, right. uh, okay. yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to ask you five questions. Okay. okay. Just to make sure that you can answer them. I think that you know what happens after a question is asked. And, and then we'll go on to the interview. All right. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So. I'm a bit nervous. Okay. Now. This is really fine. This is fine. No, this is fine. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> Question number one. Although this is a stupid question because you're British. Um, tea or coffee? Coffee? <gasps> what? Definitely. I don't drink tea. Oh my no, god! I don't really like tea. Okay. Well. I don't really drink milk. You see, so I'll have a black tea. Black tea messes with my insides. That's oh, okay. a nice thing to talk about first. Isn't okay. It? Well, we'll we'll cover that. Coffee, definitely coffee all the way. Coffee, and it has to be ground coffee. Like you know, I don't drink instant coffee. 
Okay, well, we'll, we'll cover your insights in the second part of the mm. podcast. Um, <laughs> the second question. <laughs> the mountain or the beach? Mountain. Okay. I paused a little bit there, but mountain. Okay, mountain. That's, that's absolutely fine. Uh, this uh, hard question. Uh, fantasy or science fiction? Fantasy. Okay, good, good. Easy, good, easy. Good. That's an easy question. <laughs> uh, cars or motorbikes? walking really uh, if i have to pick cars okay you can put more things in them okay good good and uh, last question zombies or vampires poor oh, that's a hard one i think if they're done well vampires but if it's just average zombies Okay. Oh, that's that's. Ooh, okay. Fine. Fine. I, I'll I'll take it. <laughs> that's a, <laughs> Hedging my bets. Yeah, a little bit, but no, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, I've, after all, this is just to make sure that you know how to answer questions, and you can, okay, yeah. you can answer questions. So, right. So we can go on to the proper interview now, and I can ask you an awful lot of questions. So, uh, okay. People are longing, gagging, begging, wanting to know this. What's your shoe size? <laughs> My shoe size. <laughs> I'm not giving away. Yeah, that's obviously the password. To okay. Um, no, in seriousness, uh, people people have been asking yeah. this an awful lot. Uh, you were uh, for a number of years working very closely with Cubicle Seven, and mm -hmm. uh, you know you you created a insane amount of fantastic artwork for them. So we need to know why aren't you working for Cubicle Seven anymore? So yeah, I mean I did an awful lot of work with cubicle seven i mean it's been i worked out the other day i've been working in the industry it's terrifyingly close to 20 years now and i was nine years at, at cubicle seven so a very long time um and i mean you know towards the end of the period i was the creative director there so i was in charge of um all the lines and i was in charge of all the writing all the editorial all the artwork and all that jazz um but i think these kind of things can have a lifespan you know what I mean? I think the I was obviously very close with Dom there for a very long time. We were very much viewed as a sort of partnership for a while in the industry. But I think, you know, it came very much to a natural end. I wanted to do different things than, you know, the direction Dom wants to take the company in. Um, so, you know, comes a time sometimes just stick a fork in it and go and go your separate ways. So that's what we did. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, I mean, big, big wrench. I mean, very weird. I'm still getting used to it. It's weird because, yeah, I did do so much of that stuff. Um, but, yeah, it's all changed this year. Quite exciting. So all, all those things that we've been told, uh, you know, you were kicked out because you snore too much and that sort of thing, that's not true. <laughs> it wasn't me snoring ah. in the hotel rooms. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> look, look at that. That's really, that's not very kind, is it? <laughs> revelation. Um, yeah. No. So I no, mean, it's just yeah. Okay. So Sorry, it, the, the 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 gist of it is that it, it essentially you've been working at it for a very long time, and everybody needs to change. You know, even creatively speaking, you probably yeah. needed to to do something, challenge yourself in a different uh, manner. There comes a point where you realise as well, with the best will in the world, I was doing so. I, you know, I was doing three people's jobs. I was desperate for help with that. I think there were areas where the company needed to do better, but it was so short staffed and, and I had to do so much, so many things. And he realized I, I could do this for myself, you know, and, and 
make the decisions and get the the bigger rewards if you like i mean obviously that comes with a huge risk you know that you take um and i think once you start to see that sort of you know that idea and you feel like oh actually i could do that you know i wouldn't i've got sort of the connections and the know-how and, and the experience you know which i'll always be grateful for that and i've learned how to do everything because <laughs> you know that was my job was mm. to do you know in production at least everything and um i certainly you know we did oh look, look i'm gonna segue look at this check me out um I, a couple of years ago, we, me and my sons made a game called The Forest Dragon and we kickstarted it and, you know, we did the whole thing. And that was really exciting to me because we did the whole thing. And when we wanted to make a decision on what we did with X or Y, we just made the decision and did it. And it was great. You know, you go, oh, that's interesting. Because, of course, and this, is, this isn't a complaint about Cubicle 7. This is Cubicle 7's stock in trade is licensed games. And licensed games, you never get to just make a decision. No. Um, you know, you've got it. It's all a series of committees and approvals, and they can take a long time. You know, and as people know who follow the company, you know, there's a there's a lot that goes on with approvals. So, working on your own IP and stuff, your own intellectual properties, is really invigorating if you've done a lot of licensed stuff because you can just you know you can just make decisions. There's no politics. There's no you know, and, and that that was really interesting. And because because we did the whole thing and we delivered it, you know, we did we. Um, from from start to finish, the whole thing, thing. You know, it's in stores now. Selected brilliant stores. We need to reprint it at the moment. But uh, yeah, Forest Dragon is out there. Won awards. You know, we did it all ourselves. And I think that was possibly the start of starting to see a different way of working. You know, so yeah, it's cool. That 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 sounds pretty. Um, that, that sounds very interesting. The uh, the, the Forest Dragon thing, um, because it, I mean, I remember when you first started uh, mentioning uh, Forest Dragon in in Facebook. Mm. And it all felt a little bit, oh, you know, this is this is Daddy being proud of, of, of his mm. song. You know, this, this is, uh, yeah, sure. yeah, cool, cool. But then you could see how things were getting more and more serious in the way that you were really, no, no, th this is serious. Well, I have some, some good game here. I have something interesting <laughs> yeah, here. It's like, <laughs> I'm, this I'm is not... the weird thing. It's, you know, because that's one of our big communication sort of hurdles with the game. It's quite a good game. Do you know what I mean? I'm not going to say it's a really good game. I think it's a really good game. But it, it's a good game. It functions as a game. It's not just some kid's project that, um, you know, we'll all just sort of nod and smile. People were playing it. You know, someone I had to ask recently for people that had the games, if they would be kind enough to give me a sort of quote for the new Kickstarter, because we're about to kickstart the, the, the next one that we've been working on for for two years. Um, and I mean, people have been lovely about it, but but what comes out of all that is people are still playing it two years later. Someone mentioned they've had 200 hours of play out wow. of it. Um, and yeah, it's there's a really core thing at the heart of the Forest Dragon game is because you turn over cards, you lay out a bunch of cards and you're turning them over and seeing what you find and you're trying to collect good things and then bad things take away your good things, basically the gist of it. Um, and it's got that little bit of like uh, push your luck and like Pokemon cards. And this really struck me when when my son, who was seven at the time, he was in the back of the car and he, he said, I've been thinking about a game and it was a Minecraft game. I think we can say this now because there's nothing to do with Minecraft anymore. But at the time it was a Minecraft game. And he said, what you do is, and he, and he reeled off the, the rules of this game kind of in one breath. And I'm like, that's really good. That's really <laughs> like, that's a proper game. And because the core mechanic is this, you, you turn over cards and obviously you're, you are pushing your luck to see how many you can turn over before you meet an obstacle that stops you. That's like Pokemon cards, you know what I mean? Or magic cards. Because mm. 
you know, Garmin full flight. Now, why I think a great part of the success of collectible car games is that gambling thing. You buy, you don't buy the physical cards, you buy the act of opening, the experience of opening the pack and seeing what you get. And the Forest Dragon feeds into that, you know, that you, how far can you, that's brilliant. I mean, you, if you play it with the right or wrong kids uh, that cannot stop, that have no impulse control, because that's the brilliant thing about being a kid, eh? you just go mad, don't you? you don't stop in whatever you're doing. And they cannot bring themselves to stop turning over cards, you know, they end up with nothing because you'll lose everything if you push it too far. So it's a good, it's a good game, good game to play. And no, adults like it as well. It's so good, you know. What, what was it like? to have your very own Kickstarter campaign instead? Because obviously you have done Kickstarter campaigns when you were mm. in Cubicle 7. What was the yeah. difference between having the, the Kickstarter campaign for your company, the, or the company you work for, and having it for yourself? The directness was really great, that you can just you can just make a decision. You know, we working at Cubicle 7, of course, it's all teamwork, you know, and, and you have to consult with everybody and and that's great when you all agree on what you're doing if you start not to agree with stuff or if you're i mean something i was finding increasingly stressful was i was the only person talking in public on social media i did all the social media twitter facebook google plus and all that and if maybe you're having to present decisions that you find difficult or you know are going to make people really angry um that that can it's not something I'm personally set up to do, that kind of PR role. I'm too, like, simple-minded almost. Um, and it, if people are upset, it upsets me, which is not, you know, you want to be, you know, people pack on, like, marketing mm. and stuff, and we know people in the industry who can just breeze through that stuff, you know, and, and I'm not that person. I didn't set out to be in that role, you know. I mean, obviously, you do it as part of a Kickstarter. It's a temporary assignment you take on. Um, and yeah, doing it for yourself is very direct and you're in charge of things and you can, um, you don't have to spin anything to anyone, you know, you can just be very direct with people because, um, because it's you taking the decisions, any fallout from those decisions you've taken is just on you. Whereas if you're in a bigger organization, the fallout from those decisions are the way you present the facts to people. I mean, it was always, it was never dishonesty at Cubicle 7 in how we communicated. Um, but there's a team of people whose jobs are on the line. Mm. As well as you and your kids making like a fun game with like ghost milk cards and stuff, you just do what you want. <laughs> and it's great and it's really good fun. And nobody's going to lose their job over it. You know, whereas if you say the wrong thing about a licensed product, people can lose their jobs. Yeah. Or, you know, or the and that was difficult. Yeah, well, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> There's some pretty tough rules around some of those licenses, you know, and then there's a there's a skill set to, to handling them, definitely. Absolutely. So you decided to you know um, go onto the Patreon side of things. Yeah. Yeah. Now, okay, I, I um, I, we're going to go onto the Patreon bit in in a minute, but um, the, 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 what I wanted to ask you is, did you go onto Patreon because you thought, you know, I, I just want the freedom to do it, I just want to do this this other way? Or or is it because I cannot believe for a second that no one has called you to say, hey, John, I want to work with you, considering oh, who gosh, you are. Oh, gosh, yeah, no, it's, it's a sideline. I had my eye on Patreon for a long time. It's a really interesting platform for... If you can create stuff, you know, I'm quite a sort of prolific type of person, you know, I'm always 
drawing stuff. And, and I've been watching, if I'm honest, I've been watching fellow artists fail on Patreon for about five years. I know some who are enormous successes and do really, really well, but the vast majority sort of conk out at about $15 a month. But there's, there was something in it that really interests me. And now it seems really obvious to me that, that you've got to deliver something on Patreon that is consumable. You know, you use it. You've got to be able to use it. And then you want another one. And then that's a reason for people to come back month on month and stick with you and for more people to join. And that was the key for me when I realized you could do that with gaming maps. Hmm. So I'm at johnhodgsonmaps.com or patreon.com forward slash Maps. Get the link in there. Um, and that was like this could this work you know and i had a lot of ideas for maps so i was always quite we were quite constrained on on say the one ring or adventures in middle earth because you were working in a eight by eleven us letter format you can't make great big maps but i had a lot of ideas for great big maps i wanted to make and i just started making them and i thought yeah you know this this could be the thing that that actually works because I mean, a lot of people said to me, oh, no, no, you should just put your artwork on there. You should just put your illustrations. People support you. They like your artwork. Well, I don't necessarily think it's fair to say to people, you give me your hard-earned money every month just for what I'm going to do anyway. And you just do it out of the goodness of your heart. You will get some people because people, you know, you're yeah, people very like kind you. people in the world. You know, yeah, you know, that's nice. And all that. But I want to give people stuff they can use. And I really like functional illustration, if you like, or functional graphics. Mm -hmm. I don't want to just... Oh, look, I'm just doing some drawings. Give me some money. I, f I find that dissatisfying speaking as an artist. Mm. I just like, you know, no. How about no? How about I keep my money and spend it on sweets instead? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm really painfully aware of that. And I think that's that is a thing to be aware of on Patreon. But it's going really well. I just passed a, I passed a, a milestone I set myself. I wanted... I wanted to earn uh, a certain amount of money. I don't want to talk about it, <laughs> exactly the figure. But I set myself that for a year, and in month five, I hit that. So I was really pleased, and it's working, and it's really good, and I'm really enjoying it, which is great. Um, it's not it's not my like full. It's not a full time income. This is absolutely a sideline. It's a sort of backstop kind of income. Um, however, if you look around on Patreon, there are people earning enormous sums of money month on month doing stuff for the likes of D&D. &D. You know, it's really cool. Well, you've, you've answered a question that somebody on Facebook, uh, Jerome Senpai Butsko, I'm sorry if I haven't pronounced your name correctly, Jerome, my apologies, but he was asking, you know, is Patreon a real alternative to earning real money? Well, not real, or as in surreal or real, mm. but, you know, as in a decent amount of money. Do you think that it is an avenue worth pursuing? I do, yeah. I think I, I, I think it would be a mistake to bet the ranch on Patreon because there's a certain amount of luck. Like any crowdfunding platform, you it will not give you an audience. I think that's a mistake some people make. I think they think if I go to Patreon, then people will find me. It is not true. You know, the, if you can, if you already have an audience, you can use Patreon as a tool to speak to those people and hopefully you know speak to them in a way where they get something out of it and they're prepared to give you a little bit of money every month so yeah i definitely think there's money in it i mean do your research if you're interested do your research and see what what is earning big money and there are people there's a guy and whose name i've forgotten i should really do a shout out to his patreon page but he he earns uh eight thousand dollars a month doing yeah. paper miniatures 
so he's drawing some dudes you know and and, and eight pet because they're great and he gives loads away for free and it only costs a couple of bucks and he's worked at it it's taken him a while of course but he's been really committed i mean this is another thing where i think people fall foul of patreon and it, it is very committed work you have to deliver month on month on month well week on week and you have to promote it and you have to engage with the audience and it's hard work it's not easy but also in doing a lot of sort of business planning stuff recently, um, the it's hard to match Patreon for reliability. You know, if you make games or you know if you make a Kickstarter, it's it's a singular thing. It might do really really well, or it might not. Mm-hmm. It might only you know we there's a thing about a, a kind of a, a low performing Kickstarter will make five thousand um, dollars because that's sort of friends and family style money. And you might end up there quite easily. You might end up at 5,000, which is not, you can't live on that. You'll be lucky if you can produce a product on that. Um, and similarly, freelancing or publishing games through, you know, through tier distribution, if it works, great. But Patreon's got real legs in terms of, it's very direct. Um, it's very, I'm finding it very reliable. You mm-hmm. know, it's money you can rely on, which you know, freelancing, you can't rely on anyone paying you, right? You know, that's really tricky. That's that's the deal. Anyone going into freelancing should be aware of that. You will have clients who simply won't pay you on time. And that's normal, right? Um, so, yeah, really interesting. I, I'm fascinated by Patreon. <laughs> I think it's really good. And you've been, wor- I mean, you, you do create a fair amount of, of work. Uh, and this is a little mm. bit of, of Jerome's questions. How how do you keep up with it? What's your inspiration to keep coming up with map after map after map after map after map after map? In some ways, I'm cheating because I've got a game I'm running at the moment. It's a D&D game. So I, you know, stuff I need for that game, um, I make maps for and then I share them. There's loads of, see, it's really nice. I give loads of bonus content because if I've made a map for the weekend's game, I just share it with my patrons and often I'll sort of expand it beyond what I need so that it does more, you know, and, and that. But I don't, I don't struggle for ideas. I don't think I ever have. I don't know why. Just eat the right things. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, I'm always thinking I can't sleep for thinking up stupid ideas and most of them are stupid but if you've got enough stupid ideas every now and then there'll be some good ones <laughs> well the so, good thing uh, the, the good thing about the maps being maps that you're actually uh, creating for your dmd group is that you know they are maps that work because you, you yeah, just find them yeah. this is not just any random cartography out there and it's really nice because you build a little community and i feel like i can talk to my patrons i was talking to everybody this month about like oh gosh i've suddenly realized my maps are often quite I don't mean empty as in bland, but I don't put all like little furniture and stuff. I'm doing a building. I don't draw in all the all the details of everything that's in, in say, I just did a long house, you know, like a hall, Viking hall kind of map. I didn't put really any furniture in it because I will add that in with counters or miniatures or mm-hmm. um, I'll make, you know, card stuff. So it's really versatile. And it suddenly dawned on me, oh, I hope people realize that's what I'm doing. And I'm not just like, got no imagination i just do these empty <laughs> because i want to be able to reuse it for myself i want to be able to reuse it because you know it's it's a middle earth game i'm playing and, and we will go to a long house more than once in that game and i'll just reuse it in a couple of months you know and hopefully everyone's forgotten and won't roll their eyes at the same map coming out but because because i don't put lots and lots of sort of setting specific detail in you can reuse it you put your own furniture and you know bits and bobs in um but yeah the great thing is i could talk to my patrons and they were like oh yeah yeah you know less is more definitely we love that 
There you go. Good. Very direct. Again, very direct. You can. It's not like publishing something and then finding out people don't like it. Well, it's it's good that you have some discerning Patreon backers. You know, they're, they're oh, not they're not random people. They know what they're talking <laughs> about, evidently. <laughs> It's it's funny, it's really interesting because you if you I like people watching you know and you there's lots of different t- hello to all my patrons by the way if they're listening to this I'll put a link when this goes live and they can all tune in and I'll say nice things about them um, but people are there for different reasons you have people who I've met and and they followed my work and they like my work and that's really lovely I mean they're the, you know isn't that amazing what a fortunate position to find oneself in that your work has you know found favor with somebody I mean that's brilliant. But then there's also people who are like, yeah, g- give me maps for my D&D game, you know, more maps, <laughs> you know, get on with it. But that's great, too. I mean, that's, you know, that's more of a business kind of thing than a fan thing. But that's good. You know, I, in some ways, I would like that to be the greater part of it. And then I'll feel useful, you know, that, that it's a great value proposition for people to use horrible business talk. But, you know, you want people to, to want what you're doing, you know, in a quite an active way, which, yeah. Um, and then you get occasional people who, because because I'm me, when you join up, you get access to all my back catalogs of everything I've ever done. So it's like six months now. Um, you get instant access to it. And I know a lot of a lot of patrons sort of take older stuff down to limit people joining for sort of three bucks, raiding the back catalog, and then just cancelling. Um, and I have a bit of that, but that's all right. If people haven't got much money, well, you know, hopefully they get a better game than they would have otherwise. And Hopefully, some people that come along to just raid the archive might choose to stay. Fingers crossed. Um, how many yeah. how many maps a month are you producing now, uh, average? Well, I'm supposed to do one, <laughs> but it's usually three or four, and I do variants of them because oh, this is this is the bane of my existence. When you're drawing a map, you know, it take maybe like a day to make a map or two days, and like an hour in, I'm like, oh, I could do it a different way as well. Oh, this could have this longhouse could also have these sort of wings attached to it to make it into a map that I can make into a modular thing that makes loads of buildings. So I start working on that while I'm trying to get the main thing finished. And that, that never stops. That keeps me awake at night. <laughs> wow. Well, well. Good. Uh, and, and okay. What, what else are you doing? Uh, because I, I can imagine that Patreon is not the only thing that you are working on. And I know that you're going to have a Kickstarter that is waiting for approval at the time of yes, approval. Yes, in approval now. I really wanted to be able to say, like, let me check my email. Just in case. <laughs> Maybe it's so I haven't even know. Yeah, but it's only got 24 hours left for approval. It's been in approval for two days, which is very upsetting because the first time I went to uh, Kickstarter, it was approved immediately. So I don't know what's going on there. It's obviously been flagged up for for a reason, a, an algorithm based reason. It's it's and the human needs to look at it. And I'm sure they're very busy at Kickstarter. So yeah, we're doing uh, Bang and Twang is the second Forest Dragon game. It's uh, similarly demented. I mean, this is if people haven't seen the Forest Dragon, it is the work of my demented children who come <laughs> up with these crazy things. What was that thing? I think Facebook memory showed me today, uh, and this was nice because I'm a bit miserable that it, that it's not been approved, and I wanted to go live. You know, launch on a Tuesday, right? Tuesday is when you launch things. That's the best day. Monday is done. You've got all week, but here we are on Thursday. Well, I don't want to launch. You know, your first three days of a Kickstarter set your final amount. I don't know how many people know that, but that's true. Well, I don't want one of those days to be on a weekend. 
But if I don't launch this week, then we're getting ever, ever closer to Christmas. Yes, which is a bad idea, very bad idea. Yeah, exactly. So I need to get this done. However, Facebook memories threw up for me this morning that that actually we went live on the first campaign on this day two years ago. And I had had a nightmare uh, verifying my identity on Kickstarter. There was a glitch and I had to talk to their people and everything anyway the kick the facebook story was i'd i'd been up all night trying to sort this out and getting everything done and i was really tired and, and i said to my son ben oh it was you know it was a late night i was working really hard and he said to me we should do a card called cat brothers <laughs> <laughs> they like this all the time i'll try and explain some lofty sort of worthy you know lesson that we're learning and they'll just go yeah we should do yeah we should do a card of two greedy boys, which is in another game with it. Yeah, in fact, they're in Bang and Twang. The greedy boys are some of my favourite characters. Now. These two sort of chubby fellas. It's great. They come up with all this nonsense and I just write it down. <laughs> Try and sift it into some sort of order without spoiling it. That <laughs> sounds mental. It. That sounds really it's mental. Good. Cat Brothers. Cat Brothers great. We never used Cat Brothers. Isn't <laughs> that be good? This is characters, cat brothers, Clarinetto. He was one of my favourites. He was a Kickstarter <laughs> exclusive card. Clarinetto, and they're very, you know, they're very. Clarinetto is like a jazz musician that wanders around the forest of the forest dragon, um, and he's. And what does the card do? I think he attacks you unless you've got uh, another card that he's looking for and stuff. And they just come up with this stuff. Yeah, yeah, all right, great. Put it in the game. So you, you, I mean, yeah. you have insane children. Yeah, well, that great. kids, you know, they didn't have stand much of a chance, did they? <laughs> what does your dad do for a living? <laughs> he drew pictures. Yes, yeah, sits in his office, <laughs> shouting at his monitor, <laughs> making sword noises at his monitor. It's mostly what I do. So, yeah, that's so, yeah, you, you actually asked me a question I didn't even remember about what else I'm doing. So, yeah, we're kickstarting some own games. Now, I'll be publishing more of my own games. We, we've, in the last few years, we've come up with two Forest Dragon games Bang and Twang. Um, in Bang and Twang, you're like folk musicians, sort of just like dueling banjos kind of thing. It's very, it plays quite fast. But, but Bang and Twang is playable by sort of the same age range as the original Forest Dragon game. We've also made up the Forest Dragon Farmer. Now, Rory, who was the brains behind the Forest Dragon, because he's a bit older. So the Forest Dragon Farmer is much more of a sort of strategy game. When I say strategy game, it's not it's not like Agricola, right? It's not, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's more strategy. It's not just a luck thing. It's more strategy involved. But we wanted to do Bang & Twang first because we didn't want to go higher complexity and then drop back down again in in the you know as we put these games out so we, we took this into decision to do bang and bang next so yeah um publishing our, more of our own games and hopefully that will uh, you know help keep the wolf from the door um but in some ways primarily what i'm doing is just quietly working behind the scenes industry wise i've been doing some consultation for people um there was a lot the phone started ringing obviously as soon as i announced I was leaving Cubicle 7, the, the phone started ringing and, and various companies wanted to work with me, which was very nice. And I mean, you know, who knew? I had no idea that I people thought what I did was good because you just, you don't know, do you? you just do what you do and you get through the day. But apparently I'm well thought of, <laughs> low standards in Come this on. industry. Come on, <laughs> you, you, you know you do well. You know you do well. And I've told you several times already that I think you are... I mean, considering that you are a great artist, but you are absolutely yeah. much, much better art director. I mean, when you are great as an artist, you, you do fantastic work. But mm. when you are an art director, you truly shine. 
Do you know that's something um, my wife said to me, and I was a bit like, you know, I don't know how to take that. She says, I think you're a better, you know, art director and, and sort of project manager than you are an artist. I was like, well, thanks. <laughs> it's it's a compliment. I mean, it's, it's, it but is yeah, a compliment. It is, it is. She meant it as a compliment. But, you know, I want to be an artist. Well, I don't know. I want to be an artist. Now, it's something I do as part of other things, right? You know, it's, yeah. Um, are yeah, you, it's cool. Are, are, you, are you actually so, going, yeah, to, going to miss that area, you know, of working with Kiriko Sama? You're going to miss the being an art director, the having a team of people, the, the deciding what the look and feel of this and that is going to be like, making that sort of I mean, I'm still, I'm still doing that stuff. For, so, yeah, I'm, I'm working on, we haven't announced much yet because it's just, we don't really need to, but um, I'm working for, there's a couple of companies I'm working for in similar roles, um, pulling together new product lines. I mean, I just have this ridiculous sort of, CV of I, you know, I do everything. Hmm. So I'm um, I'm kind of working with companies offering sort of full spectrum um, production stuff, and I've got an enormous address book of contacts of people that that I work with, um, and you know, can pull projects together for people when they need some help. And we all know, you know, role playing game companies or card game companies. They, they want to do more. They all want to do more. But expanding is really, really difficult. And expanding, certainly rapid expansion, is is very costly yeah. and very uh, it's filled with risk. You know, it's not as simple as hiring a bunch of new people or a bunch more people, because um, you never you never get it right first time, right? If you if you hire a load of new people, some of them are going to go by the wayside. And and when everything is as close to the bone as it is in role playing games that can be quite damaging and so on and you know you've got to bed new people in and, and i mean apparently the sort of business wisdom and all that is you actually drop by expanding your team you lower productivity because your established people have to teach the new people what to do yeah. so that lowers productivity for a while and all that stuff however i can work with i've got established sort of connections with people um and i can provide full spectrum you know writing editing all of that stuff and i can connect people together and i'm doing that for a couple of companies at the moment it's kind of i'm going to be all cryptic about it because we haven't announced but it won't be long before we start announcing new stuff and i'm working on a uh there's a there's an author you will have heard of who i'm sure you really like you very soon will be announcing me and him or he he phoned immediately when when i'd announced i was leaving he was just on the phone to go i want you i nearly did an impression of him then that would have been good <laughs> <laughs> oh now i feel like i should do it <laughs> oh please come on come on It'll, no it's too late no i've got stage fight now i should have just gone straight into it but it was like i want you to, to, to it's like art direct and, and do art and do your thing you know whatever the hell that thing is you do do that on this project so we're working together on that um but yeah it's all it's all sort of on the quiet just now we're just getting everything in place and then when it's ready to go we should, there's various things there's various crowdfunding will be going on and yeah it's all good it's nice it's really interesting i mean it was i have to say i had there was a moment this is sort of a good story i like this story there was a moment where i knew you know i was going from cubicle seven you know and it was a it was a stressful time you know it was difficult um and i had to sort of in the in the short term i had to kind of reach out to people for work and i haven't had to do that for a long time i mean what a privileged position to be in you know what i mean i'm not complaining that i haven't had to look for work but it was a set of skills i hadn't used in a long time and do you know what i absolutely felt like king of the world because the response from people was just amazing um this one company a board games company just sent me about 
2,000 pounds worth of games. Heavens. They're like, right, you need to see what, everything we produce, and I want you in our, my organization. You know, that I mean, that hasn't happened. We've not signed contracts or anything on that, but I will definitely be. I will move heaven and earth to work with that particular company because they're great and I love the people. Um, but they, yeah, it was amazing. How nice was that? I, I had no idea. I don't know. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about whether I'm any good at what I do. I just get on with it, hopefully, and you try and do good things, you know, and you try. Well, I suppose it's a bit like the maps. You know, I make the maps for my own game and knowing that other people can use them and I try and make them really good. You know, I'm not just cranking out products. It's not like, oh, I'm map this month. What can I do with the least possible effort? I just don't work that way. I've always ma- maintained my entirely childish approach to life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's important. I believe in the magic of it. And yeah, you got to put love into stuff. Otherwise, what are you doing? You know, if you don't love it, just go and do something else. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting, something that you've just uh, mentioned that I'm finding out by myself as well, now that I'm publishing some books in, in Spain. Mm. And, and it is how goddamn hard it is to actually find people who can do the job properly. And you always have to be training people, even experienced yeah. people. You know, you get a layout artist uh, and you still have to train that layout artist to do the kind of work that you need them to do because it feels like uh, the gaming industry rpgs in particular they are not like any other editorial kind of work it's so no, so different very specialized and you've also got this thing where um for a long time i mean i, I was getting frustrated in role where i was before because it's very hard to you can almost be on a product treadmill if you like. You have to keep stuff coming out, and it's very hard, particularly in an understaffed team, to innovate. You know, you can't do new things. Whereas I knew I had a team that were all entirely capable of really improving the presentation of gaming material. We did do some. There are some things I'm super proud of, uh, like the Doctor Time Clash rulebook. I think was really good. That's something where I'll just be absolutely big-headed. I think that was a really good rulebook. It has one concept per page you know and that stuff i really want to bring that into role-playing games um and we just time is always against you and again if you're doing licensed stuff the money has already been spent and uh, yeah yeah i don't want to be too sound too negative and moany you know but there there is more to be done with the presentation of role-playing games graphically than is being done um and the trick is finding the way to make money or make enough money uh, to be able to, to innovate. Mm. And that's how it's hard. It's tough. Um, and yeah, but what, exactly what you're saying, this is a service kind of that I am offering to people. And eventually it will be something I can offer to say, if you kickstarted a game and you need a team to produce it, then hopefully I'll be able to help you with that. Or I can certainly connect you with people um, and, and cut out that, yeah, I was going to say, I was, uh, it's tricky in role-playing games, right? Because it's a labour of love to a lot of people. And that can mean either you're qualified to do other things and you've decided to work in role-playing games because you love it, or it can mean you're not qualified to do anything at all and you're trying to work in role-playing games because you love it, Yeah, because you own InDesign. Mm. So you offer your services as a layout person because you own you know, a yeah. copy of InDesign. There's a lot of that about. Yes, and it doesn't work, does it? Because I'm, no. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working with this, uh, this friend of mine, and she, she is a layout artist. I mean, she's a graphic designer, uh, but mm. she's, she's used to doing things like, you know, catalogs or uh, menus yeah. for restaurants, and magazines, that sort of thing. And um, when, when I said to her, you know, I, I want to work 
the other way around with with the word. She said, what do you mean? I said, well, mm. I want you to lay out the words without any graphics. Yeah. And then I'm going to tell you where I want the graphics, in what pages, and how things are meant to be fitting together. Yeah. She could get her head around that. It's a very different sort of workflow, isn't it? Yeah. She couldn't. She Because when I said to her, you know, I, I need to know how many pages I'm going to have, you know, how many illustrations I'm going to be able to, to commission for this, where they're going to be and what sizes they're going to have. So mm. unless I have a rough count of, of pages with the right font size and the titles, subtitles, et cetera, et cetera, I, I don't know. So I, I need you to do this and this is how we're going to do it. Oh, but then we're going to have a lot of amends and it's going to be very difficult. So, well, kind mm, of yeah. shit. But, you know, <laughs> she's, she's finding it's, it I mean, very hard to work like that. It's a, it's a sort of shift, isn't it, of expectation? And there's a, there's a lot of sort of hidden skills involved in, in layout of role-playing games, having a sense of the material and how it works when it's being used by, by the. I was going to say customer. We don't like to say customer, do we? Because we've got to pretend it's not like that. But you know, when it's being used <laughs> by gamers, um, it, it's useful to have to have played a role-playing game and to have used, you know, the. Oh gosh, I could go into a massive monologue, and I'm just trying to stop myself. But the experience of using a role-playing game is very important to the way you make a role-playing game. You know that it is both something you read to learn the game; it is also then a reference work where you're flipping backwards and forwards to find rules. And it needs to do both things. You know, it needs to be readable and accessible from zero. You know, from and from page one to page, you know, whatever, 128 needs to you need to be able to absorb it the first time, but then it also needs to be clear to, to you know, to be able to reference it as you play and as you've forgotten what you read, um, and you need to, to and that you know, these, this is enormous technical challenge, really. You know, I don't think any of us quite credit how difficult that is Correct. to get you know to get right and of course then you find someone who's just keen to do a bit of layout work and you present them with that kind of stuff and they'll be a bit overwhelmed right i mean it's it's tough yeah. i mean i know it's funny enough to talk about you know relaying uh, stuff out so i mean i know there are people from my time at cube 7 who actively hate me because i made people write to word count because you know if we're doing a 128 page book and we've got x words per page in the template it needs to be this long mm. and if you're going to send it in five thousand words too long you need to go away and change it um so that it's you know and and people don't necessarily like that kind of thing but if you're going to work at the level where you are producing a number of titles every month then that has to happen and uh, it was a struggle you know it was a struggle to find writers who could do that and not yeah you know, and see it as their job to deliver on word count and certainly the you know there are people who are excellent at that. Obviously, you know, Gareth Hanrahan is just incredible. I mean, he's off being a novelist now, isn't he? Yes, he is. He is. And about time, too. He's, he's a clever guy. I like him. I like him a lot. He's brilliant, this guy. He's very, very, yeah. He's just switched on, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? He knows what it's all about. Yeah. No, he, he's, he's, <laughs> he's just like his stuff. People, yeah. He does. He does. Yeah, he's one of those people who he does... I'll oh, just talk about you, Garth. Um, I think he does role. He did role playing games for a long time when he was qualified to do a lot of other things, and he was doing it as a labour of love because he loves games. And those are the people you want to work with, you know, who who are there by choice rather than, you know, because they can't get any other work. And yeah, yeah, Gar was brilliant at that, um, and understands the professionalism of it and the need to, you know, um, 
work in a production flow and you can't just you know you can't just keep adding pages to a book because if it's in distribution the price was set six months ago and so the you know the price means it has to be a certain length otherwise you're going to lose money on the book if you just keep adding pages um then you're you know if you keep adding pages because the text is too long then you've got to source another load of artwork um, and then you're going to have to move artwork around and you're going to have to relay it out and it just becomes like a total nightmare hmm. and it, it can become never ending you know if you if you don't fix some points and those fixed points can be you can decide what those fixed points are you know you could decide your goal is actually i want to prioritize the conveying information so i'm not going to set my page count but that means i'm not going to solicit this book into distribution until i know that yeah which sounds like kind of what you're doing you know you, you you're doing some reconnaissance by fire if you like you know, yes laying out to see um yeah. Well, in my, to be honest, in, in my case, it's because I, I don't really care how many pages the book is going to uh -huh. have at the end. You know, yeah, it, it, right. doesn't, it doesn't bother me whether it is 150 or it is 200 pages. That's yeah. that's fine. That, that's OK. It's not it doesn't make a lot of a difference to me um, because the book is going to be divided in three different books later on. Then you, uh, I, I, I yeah. care even less. You know, this is um, because I, I um I crowdfunded this this book in, in Spain and people are going to get three things, you know, the adventure, the, the campaign setting and the core book. Uh, but that's just for the backers. They will get everything uh -huh. in just one big massive tome. Everybody else will have to buy the three things separately. Yeah. So I, I don't care how many pages this, this book is going to be because it will be divided later and I want it to look amazing. So if I have to sacrifice, you know, a little bit of money to have another 20 pages and look incredible, then so bloody be it. I, I, I just and of course, I mean, you run into some, some real... Um, this, this is an unpopular view with some people, he said knowingly. Um, you know, books are printed in, in um, signatures of 16 pages. So mm -hmm. you have to have, you know, multiples of 16 pages, which uh, yeah, sounds very reasonable, doesn't it? Until you go one over. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you can have some, you know, I've had some joyous headbutting moments where it's like, no, no, we cannot put one more page in. Because then we're into another, you know, we've, we've cut out everything we can cut out. Because, you know, there is flexibility in there. You can remove artwork. You can, you know, you can change the way you're laying out text. You can save a lot of space. But once you've done all of those things and there's no fat left on the bone, you know, there comes a point where you just have to say, no, there is no more room unless we go up by 16 pages. And if we go up by 16 pages, we are going to need more art and we are going to yeah. we have to relay out a lot of other pages, you know, it's not as it's flexible, but it's not infinitely flexible. No, ab either. absolutely not. You're, you're completely right. Also, if you let some people do their own thing, uh, you know, you'd end up with a thousand pages book. So it's very interesting. It's very interesting where you want to give people creative freedom. And I think it's really, really brilliant. I learned an enormous amount of my art direction craft working for Sarah Robinson at Paizo, who I always try and reference because I learned an enormous amount from Sarah, work, just working for Sarah. She obviously always tries to say yes. You know, if you pitch an idea, she tries to say yes. And she will say yes, but, you know, yes, but let's do it. You know, and I really loved working with Sarah. Um, it was very positive. Um, but there are some people that if you just let them off the leash creatively, they just go bonkers. Yeah. You know, they go really nuts. <laughs> and you go, no, but why have you done that? That's not in relation to anything that, that could possibly be used. No, but and it looks great. Yeah, you said do anything. I mean, yeah, but, you know, come on. <laughs> but 
but there are other people that, that will really thrive and of course that's the skill oh yeah here you go i get on my soapbox i wrote this the other day in response to something i'd heard some gossip i'd heard really the skill of art direction right it's nothing to do you should write this down if, you, if anyone listening wants to be an art director and you think thank me if you can make this work it is not about telling people what to do. It's a very, it's thought of as a very popular and attractive job because yeah, I want to tell some artists what to draw and I've got these pictures in my head and I'm going to tell them what to draw and they're going to draw them. That's not really how to do it well, I don't think, for me anyway. What you do is you find people that are sort of, their wheels are in line with the project and you select them very carefully for their strengths being an asset to the project and then you make sure they understand the project and they will tell you what they're going to do and you will give them permission to do it and it will work really well because everyone is invested. There's an artist I've worked with for years who I know if you if you tell him what to do, you won't get good results because his, he's going to recognise himself and we will laugh about this. His background like academically is... And one of his challenges in life is I think he thinks he's stupid and he's really not stupid. He's a very clever guy, but he's been told he's stupid. And if you give him orders like you're in a schoolroom, you won't get a good result. If you can get him to tell you the brief, uh, you'll get brilliant result because you know the briefs in his head. You know he's understood it because he's told you it. Mm. And you go, ah, yeah, right. Whereas just sort of banging your hand on the desk and telling everyone what to do is, is a very old fashioned way to manage. And I, don't think it gets good results and like micromanaging people and kind of you know let the artists do art man let them you know give them some parameters but let them do what they do well yes i agree uh right so you have a kickstarter coming up which is absolutely brilliant and there's going to be yes. a link uh because by the time that this podcast comes out it's, it's going to be there and we've it been be. yeah it should be come on and uh, we've been talking for 47 minutes now and people wow. need a cup of tea so um yep. we need to wrap it up so i'm going to ask you um just a couple of you know just just to wind down you know just just yeah. to give people some food for thought you know chill kind of thing right so three 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 um three hippie questions okay uh one first question um what's a mistake that you would love to make again oh that's a good question is this in work or personal life oh, <laughs> anything there's no right or wrong answers any mistake you would like to make again do you know i'm gonna go i'm gonna go for a nice like nice um safe answer initially i might and while i'm talking i might think if i want to say something more challenging um me and my wife went climbing hills in scotland hill walking in scotland and there's two they have there's different sort of what do they call it categorizations of hills that are verging on mountains you have corbett's and monroe's and monroe's are the bigger one and there were two monroe's quite close to each other and we got up the first one and i went we can come down and go up the second one and we've got time but we didn't really have time and we got terribly lost on the way out and we ran out of water and food and it was really at one point it could have got really nasty but it was also brilliant and i'm glad we did it and it was really cool and so yeah i would do that again getting lost in the, it was uh it's the sort of it's the it's the side of ben nevis no one goes to inside ben nevis the whole time and that's some fantastic scenery so yeah getting lost with my wife on the arse end of ben nevis i would do that again without a shadow of a doubt okay. um i'll try and think of a work what would be a work thing that i would do again that was a mistake 
It's too, you know, it's too, it's too, it's tricky when you worked on so much sort of licensed stuff. Working on the One Ring role playing game, I'm going to say that that was a mistake. Right. That I'd do again. Yeah, I so nearly didn't. I so nearly turned that opportunity down because it's terrifying, right? You know, you're going to get bottles of pee thrown at you in the street by Tolkien fans because you've drawn it wrong. <laughs> and we got away with it. I will always be grateful we got away with doing it like, you know, Beowulf. And there was an audience for that. Who knew? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was, yeah. Okay, yeah. Second question, second question. Uh, this is this is probably a little bit more challenging than the first one. So, um, oh, no. Um, God, I forgot the question now. <laughs> are you making these up? That's I know. Amazing. I know That's amazing. You are. <laughs> no, I, I have asked. Oh, okay. I remember. I remember. No, I remember the question now. I remember the question now. Okay. okay. Yeah. Was the best advice that no one has ever given you? Well, see, I could, I could say some things that I never heard. I mean, stuff like you're good at what you do. I just don't hear it. It doesn't go in okay. for whatever reason. Well, that's not yeah, advice, no. That's yeah. not advice. No, it's not advice. Get advice that no one's ever given me. Yeah. I can think of good advice that I have been given that I ignored, but that's not the same. <laughs> it's too loose. The painting's too loose. That was the best piece of advice I've ever given. Fraser Irving, 2008 artist. <laughs> Uh, Rick Martin, who's a brilliant um, warpstone <laughs> warhammer artist, years ago when I was first starting out, he's a lovely guy, Rick, and he looked through my portfolio and he was being really wonderful and helping me out. And he's like, Fraser, what do you think? This is UK Gen Con many years ago in Loughborough. And Fraser looks around, and Fraser's a pretty cool dude, and he looks around and he just goes, oh, that's too loose. And that was it. And I was like, well, <laughs> you know, thanks, thanks a bunch. And actually, it was, he was spot on. It was the best. But what's that? Three words? It's too loose. That's all right. Okay. But yeah. Uh, but yeah. But still not answering the question. Best advice no one's ever given me. Don't know. Don't know, Paco. It's too okay. hard. It's okay. Too hard well, fine, question. fine. Maybe no one has ever given you no advice. You should. You shouldn't have listened. That's that's fine. People give me advice all the time. You see, that's true. People always like telling you what exactly. To do. You find that online. Everyone, if you say a thing online, everyone just tells you what to do. Okay. Fine. So, uh, third question and last question. Um, you have a time machine. Uh, you go back in time and you see your 10 years old self and you say to your 10 years old self, do not do this. What is this? Don't get into a relationship where you pay for holidays and your partner pays for furniture. <laughs> Because when you break up, you won't have anything at all. <laughs> <laughs> that, that happened to me and I'm like wait a minute I've been done <laughs> can I have any of this furniture no <laughs> there you go cue the music <laughs> excellent well um, uh, Jenny thank you <laughs> that was fantastic Or was it supposed to be something to do with laying out books or something? Yeah. I don't know. Anything is fine. Oh, that was perfect. That was that was yeah. perfect. The best answer we've had so far. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad that horrendous life experience has provided some, some something funny for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, somebody anyway. stop me now. Oh, yeah. dear. I'm crying. Fine. Oh well, John. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. <laughs>
<laughs> Do you want to buy some holiday photographs? <laughs> I'm so not editing this bit. Oh. Yeah, no, leave it in. This is quality. It's quality gold. It's oh, this is yeah. perfect. Gold. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we should. Yeah, we should do this again sometime. I like it. I like it. I like talking to you. It's nice. Oh, I'll tell you a word on that one, and I would ask you the same question, John. Thank you very much for being with me today. It's been absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome, and thank you for having me on. And yeah, it's oh, oh, um, I've got a sort of new website that I never told anybody about. It's not, it's not oh. that exciting, but it's, it's no, worth I going. Say it's got, it, say it lists it. a lot of stuff that I do on it, and it is uh, John Hodgson Design dot com. Okay, don't go to John Hodgson dot com. It used to be my web address because sort of bodybuilder man has taken it over. <laughs> You'll get a very wrong impression of my life. <laughs> I am not John Hodgson, the bodybuilder. If you've met me, you don't need to be told that. But, <laughs> yeah, johnhodgsondesign.com. I've just given... Everyone's going to go to johnhodgson.com now, and I keep saying that. Stop saying that, John. You're terrible at marketing. Right, man. I'll have you back again anytime. Good. And there you have it, my friends. Um, <laughs> yes, I am still laughing about that. Uh, I, and, and I was laughing quite a while after he, he you know, he stopped talking. So, yeah, sorry, that, that was, um, that, that just tickled my fancy. I don't know why, but it was absolutely hilarious. So, anyway, that, that was John Hodgson. Please, please take a look at his Patreon. Please take a look at his Patreon. And, and support him if you can, please. Seriously, take a look because you, you get a lot more than you bargain for in the best possible way. So, do lend a hand if you are able and take a look on the Kickstarter and his website. Please do take a look. Thank you. Right, uh, the opening music is Astral Doors, London Caves. Uh, and I mention this because I love that song so so much and uh, the outro music still no one absolutely nobody's told me what this song is please let me know if, if you know this song at all i need to find out i need to find out get hold of me let me know in twitter i am at gms magazine you can get hold of me uh, via email podcast at gmsmagazine.com and uh, oh, of course i'm on facebook as well and Google Plus and what have you. So uh, do say hello. And if you want to be in the podcast, if you want to be a guest, if you have anything to say or not say, by all means, do let me know. It would be absolutely brilliant to have you around. I'd love to talk to you. But until the next time, thank you once again for being there. Thank you to Johnny for, for being with me. That was absolutely fantastic. And I will be talking to you very, very soon indeed.